morning. Welcome to worship service on a beautiful Sunday morning. Lyle, thank you for those, uh, those songs, some very meaningful hymns. I was already blessed in, in worshiping this morning. Welcome to each one of you. I see some visitors here with us. Good to have each one of you here. And we invite you to worship with us. As Lyle already mentioned, we did have a, a men's retreat this weekend. And it was my turn to preach this morning. And with the retreat and everything, I thought it might be nice if somebody would take my place. So I did ask uh, Brother Scott Burkholder from the Clay Street Congregation if he'd be willing to step in. Kind of asked him a little bit last minute, but he was very gracious and said he'd be willing to bring the message for us this morning. So this time, Scott, I'd ask you to come forward. We'll have a word of prayer and um, invite the Lord into our time of worship here. Shall we bow our heads and pray? Father, we thank you again for your mercies that are new this morning and for your faithfulness. Lord, we are grateful for the freedom to worship and to come and freely assemble in this way. Lord, we come expecting you here. We expect to hear from you. And Lord, our, I guess our desire and, and our commitment to you is to respond to what you show us this morning. And we pray that you'd use Brother Scott to preach the word to us and to uh, just expound on your truth. Help us to be willing listeners this morning. And Lord, we want to give you honor and glory through every part of this service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. Greet all of you in Christ's name. It's, uh, it's good to be here. Um, I have to admit, Vance, and I had a little bit of an ulterior motive when I agreed on such short notice, but uh, we'll talk about that later. Um, but uh, it's good to be here this morning. And this morning, I'd like to talk about a subject that uh, I've become increasingly interested in uh, in the last few years, and that's the, the idea of vision. Um, vision used to be something that was tremendously frustrating for me. I thought it was the stuff of, you know flying cars and magic carpets, and it was just impractical stuff that people dreamed about and, and um, never actually got anything done. Um, it seemed very touchy-feely, um, just kind of out there, something I wasn't particularly interested in. But I've come to realize uh, that I was very wrong about that. Um, it's not that complicated, which is perfect for me. I prefer uncomplicated. I like black and white and things just to be very straightforward and, and uh, yes, no. Um, not a lot of gray. <clears throat> and so today I want to look at that and look at why uh, vision, why you having vision in, in all areas of your life is very important and why that matters and why that's going to shape your future, your family's future, and your church's future. And whether you realize it or not, all of you have multiple visions for your life already. Um, <clears throat> you have a men mental picture of, of what your life looks like or what you'd like for it to look like down the road, 10, 20, 30 years from now. A lot of you would probably have a very good financial picture. You know what your 401k is doing. You know what your other retirement things are doing. And, and you know that if uh, you get this interest rate uh, in return, you can retire at this point. And if not, it might be a little longer, and you might have to do some things different. You probably have some ideas of where you want to be professionally, whether that's your career, whether that's your business. Um, you kind of know where that's at. You might be able to describe um, what you want to achieve relationally, um, whether that's your marriage, your family, um, church, whatever that is. So I guess what I'm saying is a lot of you already have some kind of vision, and, and I think it may be roughly formed. Uh, some of you it's probably more defined. But I think too many times the routines of life just begin to feel like shoveling dirt, don't they? Um, it just, just feels routine. But you take those same routines, those same responsibilities, those same things you do every 
hey, that just can feel like real drudgery, and you put some vision behind it, then it looks totally different. Um, vision uh, brings order to the world. It can bring uh, order to the chaos that can happen in our lives. A clear vision enables you to see everything differently. Suddenly, you're not just shoveling dirt, just doing something very boring and routine. You're, you're, building the, you're digging the foundation for your dream home. There's, there's a plan here. There's a reason you're moving dirt. It's for the house that you and your, your family have wanted. <clears throat> so I think for me, vision um, is defined as seeing where you are today and identifying where you are, want to go. And I think those two things are very important. You have to be able to see where you are in order to be able to figure out where you're going. So I want to look at maybe four things that we can do um, in order to clarify the, clarify the vision in our lives uh, and, and to take action on those things. Because for vision to be effective, we have to take action, right? Otherwise, we're just sitting around dreaming about things, the part that had frustrated me previously. Otherwise, we're just dreaming and we're not actually getting things done. So the very first thing I'd like to look at is identify where you are today. And I'd like to um, <clears throat> take a look at Nehemiah. Um, we're reading uh, parts of the story of Nehemiah where he realizes that the walls are broke down and, and he has to, has to take some action. <clears throat> and the first part of identifying where we are today, no matter which, which part of your life that we're looking at, is just having an honest, unvarnished look at where am I at? Where, where, where are things at? Um, and if we look at Nehemiah, I'll, I'll start reading in chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. It says that Hanani, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah. <clears throat> and I asked them concerning the Jews who had survived the exile and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who have survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and I wept and mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. See, Nehemiah was heartbroken at, at what was happening in, uh, in Jerusalem. Things, things, were, things were in bad shape. Um, that was where he came from, where his ancestors were buried, and it was just, <clears throat> it was in really rough shape. Uh, jumping ahead then to the second chapter, uh, looking at verses 2 through 5 of chapter 2. Uh, Nehemiah uh, was the cupbearer, and he had gone into the king, and uh, he, he said, and the king said to me, why is your face sad, seeing you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of the heart. Then I was very much afraid. I said to the king, let the king live forever. Why should not my face be sad? When the city, the place of my father's graves, lies in ruins, and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Then the king said to me, What are you requesting? So I prayed to the God of heaven, and I said to the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, that you send me to Judah, to the city of my fathers, that I may rebuild it. And I think it's noteworthy that the king noticed uh, how sad Nehemiah was. Uh, it was to the point where physically affecting him, and I think then, similar to now, is that when you're in front of important people, you kind of need to, you know, put up a wall and hide what you're actually feeling inside, but he couldn't anymore. He was, he was just that heartbroken about what was happening, and, <clears throat> but he uses that opportunity to ask the king, hey, can I go, can I go back and, and, and fix some things uh, that are broken? And so he goes. Uh, if we're going to jump ahead to verse 11 uh, in, in Nehemiah chapter 2, 
It says, so I went to Jerusalem and was there three days. Then I arose in the night, and I and a few men with me, and I told no one what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There was no animal with me, but the one on which I rode. I went out by night by the valley gate to the dragon gate and to the dung gate, and I inspected the walls of Jerusalem that were broken down, and its gates that had been destroyed by fire. Then I went out to the fountain gate and to the king pool, but there was no room for the animal that was under me to pass. Then I went up in the night by the valley and inspected the wall, and I turned back and entered by the valley gate and so returned. And the officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing, and I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, and the rest who were to do the work. Then I said to them, You see the trouble we are in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. See, Nehemiah personally went out to inspect the walls. He had heard reports, but he, there was no pictures. He had no idea of, of how bad it really was. So he went out and looked at it, and yep, <laughs> it was confirmed. It was terrible. The walls were, were, were destroyed. The gates were burned. It was, it was in bad shape. If we as people don't clearly see where we are, we have no hope of, of achieving any vision. If we're, we're living in fantasy land about where we really are, we're going to be in trouble. We're going to be a lot like this uh, fairly popular meme where this dog is sitting in the house, the house is on fire, but he's sitting at the table with his cup of coffee and he's saying, hey, this is fine. This is, this is totally okay. It's, the house is just a little warm right now. This is fine. I've got my coffee. I'm good. Uh, what could possibly go wrong? But see, unfortunately, if we can't clearly see today, you most certainly won't be able to get to where you want to tomorrow. It's very practical, but you simply won't know where to start. You know, think about any time you put your destination in your, your Maps app. Uh, yeah, first it maybe asks you where you want to go, but then it says, hey, where are you starting from? From your current location, from your house, uh, from work? Wh- where are you starting from? It's important we know where we are. You know, recently at work, uh, I, I had an experience like this where my, my vision was just clearly broken. Um, and I didn't see a problem very clearly. We had... Uh, been experiencing a period of very significant growth, and we added uh, a number of automated assembly cells to increase throughput and, and to reduce the amount of staffing we needed. Most of it was material handling and screw insertion. Now keep in mind this was happening when um, things were pretty hectic and, and uh, there was a lot of other things going on, a lot of growth and just a lot of new people. And, and uh, there was a lot of difficulty um, meeting demand. And uh, so my focus was primarily on on more furniture faster. And if you had told me that there was a problem with those automated cells, I'd have probably responded with something like, yeah, yeah, there probably is. They're not perfect, but they're new. It'll work itself out. Meanwhile, we marched on. More furniture faster, whatever it took. Um, that's what we did. But then I started noticing some things. I noticed how um, the automated cells in, in Indiana were functioning as I expected them, but when I visited our other campus, they, they weren't quite, something just seemed off. Um, so I made a visit earlier this year with the intent to, to, to see if I could figure out what was off. And that visit, uh, I was just particularly annoyed. Um, beside these automated cells, I noticed some of the uh, old manual fixtures. And what troubled me even more is there was people actually using them. And uh, it was some hybrid mess of half automated, half manual. I was, I was just very disappointed. It was overstaffed. and. I made sure the plant manager knew I wasn't happy and that I expected to see some change and, and uh, 
He just needed to make sure that his people used this wonderful equipment that uh, the company had bought for them. There's more to that conversation that I unfortunately don't remember, but in hindsight, I'm guessing there was some, some things there that I probably should have uh, caught on to. But there was no significant change. Uh, I came back and I would log into our video system and I'd watch these cells and my stomach would just churn because it was just the same mess. Um, so I knew I had a problem. So I asked questions, uh, got more answers, um, tried to fix those, and just the more questions I asked, the, the more problems I found. See, my vision was starting to become clearer. I was recognizing that I have a problem. There's something, there's something wrong. There's something that's not functioning the way it should be. And um, <clears throat> so I decided that some, some action needed to be taken. And uh, there's a team of four that asked to go down, and uh, two of them were engineers, two of them were production people, people I trusted, people that uh, had, had been in leadership for a while and knew how these things were supposed to work. And uh, I sent them down, because I was so, at this point, I was so frustrated. I, I could walk past the ones in Indiana, they worked, they told me the other ones didn't work, and I just thought, that's just silly, you're just being stubborn, you're resisting change, just, this has got to stop. So we set them down, and I, it was interesting. Um, the morning I sent them down, the one engineer told me, you know, Scott, I'm, I'm happy to go, but uh, I'm just not quite sure what I'm going to do all week because I'm sure there's no issues, but happy to go. So they flew down on Monday morning, and by that night, the same engineer said, hey, you know what, uh, I'm not going to be able to fix all the issues this week. Uh, we're going to have to figure out a long-term plan because this is broke. See, I'd finally found the issue. Those robots were broke. Um, it was... Um, The engineering team at that, uh, the leadership there had, had uh, uh, the engineering team had, uh, had their own vision. Um, still a little confused on what that exactly was. But uh, they had some major issues. Uh, they did a lot of uh, what I'm going to call pioneering. And uh, so now we had some major, I was right, but I had some people issues. It wasn't where I thought it was going to be. But I had some people issues, and because of that, I had some robot issues. These things flat out would not work. Um, so how's your vision? How's your vision of yourself? Do you see yourself as God sees you? Um, you know, Psalm 139, verses 1 through 4 says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. And then Psalm uh, 139, verse 23 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. You know, I don't know that we can ever clearly see ourselves without God's help and without other uh, faithful Christians around us. And quite frankly, I would suggest you don't trust yourself, that you don't just uh, look for your own uh, insights into where you are at, you are at in life, because often... Uh, our vision is a lot like mine was at work, where I, I think I know what's wrong, and, and it's really not the problem at all. We need God and others around us to, to talk to us into our lives and tell us where we are. So where are you this morning? What's your relationship like with God? Uh, what's your marriage like this morning? Where's your family? A lot of us this morning are parents. What does your family need from you? Uh, how's your family doing spiritually? Have you thought about that? If you haven't thought about it, it's, it's time to start thinking about that. What's your relationship like with your children? Do you enjoy spending time with them? Uh, do they like spending time with you? Do you like to just shove some kind of entertainment at them so they leave you alone, or do you have a relationship with them? What are your relationships like in church? How do you feel about uh, 
brothers and sisters you go to church with? What other responsibilities do you have this morning? Most of us uh, are in some form of leadership or another. Uh, Parents, grandparents. uh, Your children and grandchildren are watching you. Clearly seeing where you are today is foundational for you to be successful as a leader. And if you can't clearly see that, if you can't clearly see where you're at today, you're going to fail the people that you're responsible for. So where are you? Are your walls torn down? Are your gates burned? Or are things okay? I hope they are. I trust they are this morning. But be honest with yourself. Don't, don't uh, just trust yourself, but see God's face. If you can't see today clearly, you most certainly won't be able to see where you want to go tomorrow. I think the next step after we've seen where we are is to identify where we want to go. Nehemiah uh, 1, chapter 1, verse 17b says, Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer derision. See, Nehemiah had a clear goal. Let's rebuild the wall and, and uh, have people stop making fun of us. I think that grief, that heartache that Nehemiah was feeling provided him um, clear direction. He had clarity. He knew exactly what he was trying to do. He, it was very simple to him. I think it's also interesting how that Nehemiah didn't have the how figured out. I, I, I'm confident that Nehemiah didn't know where all the stones were going to come from, where all the manpower was going to come from. He, he didn't know where all that stuff was at. But that didn't stop him from saying, you know what, we need to rebuild this wall. Uh, we need to, this is the right thing to do. Let's rebuild the wall. We'll We'll need to figure it out as we go, but let's rebuild the wall. I'm sure he didn't know that he was going to have people building that wall with a trowel in one hand and a sword in the other. I'm sure he didn't know that half his people were just going to stand there with shields and swords. But he made the decision, he knew what was right, and he stuck with that vision, and he headed that direction. See, vision involves optimism and hope. A pessimist sees difficulty in every opportunity. An optimist sees opportunity in every difficulty. Now, there needs to be a balance, right? But pessimists tend to hold people back a vision from pushing ahead. But a person who sees difficulties so clearly that he does not discern the possibilities cannot inspire vision in others. All of us are in a position where we need to inspire vision in others, and you cannot just see the hard things. You have to be able to see where we want to go and and what's important. God promises over and over in his word to provide us direction, to to show us what those next steps are, to show us what the vision should be. Um, he is always faithful to provide us that fi- vision. Psalm, Psalm 32, verse 8 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. It's important that we take lessons from the past, but never sake, never sacrifice the future for the sake of continuity. The story of the past can't be rewritten. We need to make decisions with the future in mind and what's important in the future. You know, a vision without, ta- a, vision without a task makes a visionary. A task without a vision is just simply drudgery. But a vision with a task makes a missionary. Gives us purpose. Uh, helps us know what's next. What, what do we need to do? Where should we go? After, with God's help, we've, we've figured out, hey, this is where I want to go. This is what I should be doing. I think it's important that we communicate the vision to the people involved. Um, If you're in a position of leadership, uh, you need to make sure that uh, people know where you're going and why you're going there. Make sure they know God gave you that vision. And it's interesting, I'm positive that everyone around Nehemiah knew exactly what the goal was and how they were going to get there. Uh, Nehemiah 
2, verse uh, 17, uh, the last part of 17 and 18 says, Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem, that we may no longer suffer derision. And I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me were good, and also the words that the king had spoken to me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hand for the good work. I think it's really interesting is that uh, Nehemiah was so incredibly clear in his vision that if you go on to the next verse, uh, in verse 19, it says, But when Sanballat the Hornite and Tobiah the Ammonite, servant and Geshem the Arab, heard of it, they jeered at us and despised us and said, What is this thing you are doing? Are you rebelling against the king? That, I think that's next level communication. The people who opposed Nehemiah came over to heckle him and make fun of him while he was doing it. He was so clear in communicating, this is the vision, this is what we need to do, that the people who opposed him said, came over just to make fun of him and say, no, you, you shouldn't be doing that. You're never going to, wh- why are you rebelling? So where do you want to go? What, what future, uh, what vision has God given you for, for you? What, where, do, where do you see your relationship with God going? What for vision do you have for your marriage? What about your family? Do you have vision for them, for your children? Where would you like to see them spiritually? What provision do you have for them? What do you want your relationship to be like with your children in 10 years, in 20 years, in 30 years from now? What about the church? Is that important to you? Relationships in church? What goals would you like to see your church achieve? What about your other responsibilities? Work, etc. Do you have a plan? Do you have a vision? Do you know where you're going and why you're going there? Have you asked God for a vision of, of where you should be heading? Um, I don't think God exists, intended for us to simply exist here for a while and then pass away. I think that's tremendously sad um, to just the idea of just existing here, floating along. What happens, happens, and, and then in the end, I'm going to die. Uh, but have a, God, God didn't intend us to live like that. Um, he put us here for a purpose. He put you here for a purpose. With God's help, identify his vision for your future. And then after you do that, make sure you, make sure you let your people know about it. And yes, I am repeating myself, but that's intentionally. Often I find that when we think we've communicated really well, it's important that we do it at least one more time. Because after we do that, there's a good chance that 75% of the people have now fully caught on to what you're trying to say. So you need to communicate and communicate and then communicate some more. The next step then is um, recognize what action you need to take to achieve the vision. So back to my problems at work. So now I knew there's a bunch of issues with the robots. Um, I again clearly laid out my, the vision of how those things were supposed to function with the staffing and, and amount they were supposed to produce. But how were we going to get there? Because I had a mess. Um, we had homing programs that were, were messed up. Um, the robot would uh, should only have one home, but it would go to, to multiple homes. It would just kind of do whatever it wanted to. The screw insertion was terrible. Sometimes it would put in zero screws where it's supposed to put in a screw. Sometimes it would put in two. Um, it, was, it was a bit of a lottery situation. Um, I could go on. Stuff got stuck in the feeders. It was, it was just, it was a mess. Um, so what action did we take? What did we do to fix that? Uh, honestly, we just started with the biggest problem first. Took the biggest problem, fixed that one, and then went on to the next one. <coughs> After the team of four's first day of finding issues, um, we started meeting every day, uh, getting a status update on the problems of the previous day, and identifying what we're going to work on the next day. It's a very short meeting, but it's interesting, because everyone clearly knows the goals. 
to know the problems and uh, then in what order we're going to attack the issues. We have clarity now. We all have the same agenda. Um, everyone wants those cells to run the way they're supposed to run with the correct staffing. No one gets in the way of that. What's interesting is I initially thought it was the production people who were resisting change and were fighting all this and are the ones who are most excited because their world's actually working now. This morning, as you've thought about um, your vision, uh, the vision God has given you for your life, what action should you be taking? How do you identify what to do next? And that can be challenging sometimes. I th but again, God does not want us to live in a world where we, we don't know what he wants us to do next. God always shows us the next step. Isaiah 48, 17 says, Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit, who leads you in the way you should go. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Psalm 25, 9 says, He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. Psalm 73, 23 to 24 says, Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will receive me to glory. <clears throat> As you work through identifying what steps to take, to get to the vision that God has for your life, make sure you seek his face, just as you did when you were trying to identify where you should go. God does not want you to wonder what you should do. doesn't mean he's going to show you the whole way, because uh, he doesn't. Typically, he shows us the next step, maybe two. But I, and I actually think that's, that's for our benefit. Because if I could see 5, 10, 15 years in the future, I'm pretty sure I would focus on the bad things, the terrible things that are going to happen, and skim right over the good things that are going to happen, the blessings that are going to be coming our way. And then also, make sure that his next steps that you identify are in line with his word. Um, God gets a lot of blame sometimes when we have uh, our own vision and we've identified what steps we want to take. And then we pray and we pray and we pray that uh, God would agree with us. And uh, finally, we decide that he has now agreed with us because we're not hearing as much from him. But that's not how God's direction works. His direction is always in line with his word. His, his next steps will be in line with his word. And then we need to surrender um, to what he wants, not what I want. And that, that can be really difficult. It can be challenging when the next steps are things we don't want to do. Uh, that can be really hard because no doubt all of us have a vision of what our lives should be like, of, of what uh, we would like to see. So what are the clear next steps for you this morning? What actions should you be taking in your walk with God, uh, in your marriage, your family, um, your relationships in church, other responsibility? Identify those. Ask God to show you but be ready to give up as God shows you uh, what his direction is for you. After you've done that, we need to take action. After we've seen where we are, we've identified with God's help where we want to go, and then we've identified the steps we need to take, it's important that we take action. Our responsibility as leaders is to take ourselves and the people we're responsible for to where God wants us. We have to take action. We can't just not do anything. You know, and, and uh, if we look at Nehemiah 3, and I'm not going to read this, but just, just take a look at those verses. Those guys took action. I don't know what happened in between the end of chapter 2 and the beginning of chapter 3. There had to be a lot of planning, but those people just took action. I, I think that is so exciting how that it seems like every group of, of Israelites took a different section of the wall 
And they just, they got after it. I mean, they, they built a wall. They didn't, there was, there was not a lot of uh, uh, hesitating and uh, committee forming. They just, they, they flat out got after it and built a wall. For some of you, um, that can be the hardest part. You find the mental part easy. You love the idea of, of identifying where you are and figuring out where you want to go and what for steps do you have to take to get that. But uh, when it comes to take action, you'd rather just sit back and focus on another part of your life where you still need to, to figure out what the vision is for that. And then for others, um, you just like to take action. Um, you find the mental part really hard. Uh, you, you just <laughs> you'd rather do anything other than sit down and, and think about where you are and, and where you need to go. The truth is, is that you don't really have a choice this morning. You have to do both. You have to think about where you are and where you want to go, and then you have to take some action. You can't just, you don't have a choice this morning. We, we, um, we just don't have a choice. You're not going to end up where God wants you if you just choose to take action. You know, if you're going fast in the wrong direction, you're still going in the wrong direction, right? It's, it's, you're not getting anywhere. Nehemiah spent time thinking about what was wrong and what needed to be fixed. Then he cast a vision for the people and put together a plan to rebuild. You know, as we've been working through uh, our automation problem at work the last few weeks, um, there's been a lot of wins. Progress is happening. Um, major robot or other equipment issues are totally fixed. Staffing is right. Uh, production's way up. Uh, things are flowing the way they are. I can pull up the video and I, I don't get sick. Um, so we're getting more furniture with less people. Um, so it's, it's a solid win. We're not completely done with the project, but we're getting there. We're getting closer every day. And, you know, just to be really honest, that story is really embarrassing to me. It should have never gotten as bad as it did, and, and I feel a lot of responsibility for that. But it did. Bottom line, it was that bad. And until I faced the facts of how bad it was and, and what we needed to do to fix it, it was just going to keep on being that bad. It definitely wasn't getting better by itself. It kept getting worse. That's exactly how your life is and how my life is. Um, all of our lives are affected by vision. How clearly you see where you are and where God wants you to be directly impacts um, your life. Uh, we need to be able to see where we are and where God wants us to go. You know, there's a good chance some parts of, of where you are are going to be embarrassing. Uh, some parts of all of us are ugly, right? There's parts of our lives that uh, we really don't, don't want to be displayed in front of everyone. So what for actions are you going to do? Um, <clears throat> if you want to have a better relationship with God, what's the next step? Are you going to start spending more time with Him? Are you going to um, spending more time reading? Maybe you're going to start reading for again because you haven't been. Spend more time praying. If your marriage isn't what you want it to be, what are you going to do? Are you going to talk to your spouse about it? Are you going to pray to God about it? Are you going to seek some help um, to, to get it to be better? I encourage you to do that. Don't ignore it and just hope that somehow magically uh, through the process of time things are, things are going to get better because they won't. What about your family? Um, positive all of you want your children to, to grow up and to serve God. Um, we want them involved in church. We want our children to, to love being around us. We want them to uh, come home after they move out. So make sure you talk to them about God. Have family devotions. Uh, be involved in church. Show up at church and church functions. See, our children often see where our heart is, even without us telling them. They can tell uh, exactly what's important to us and what isn't. Spend time with them. Uh, don't just shove entertainment at them so they leave you alone. Being, being involved and invested in church will also help your relationships in church. 
Love your, love your brothers and sisters, uh, not just by your words, but also by your actions. Don't tear other people down. And if we go to uh, Nehemiah 6, verse 15, it says, So the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month, in 52 days. And when all the people heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem. For they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. I don't know how long it took to build a wall, but I, I got to think that might have been a, a world record at the time they built that, because that's just incredible. 52 days, the wall was built, uh, it was done. Um, but that's what can happen with clear vision. Um, You know, without clear vision, there's a good chance that you might come to the end of your life and wonder uh, what you could have done for God, what you could have done for your family, the impact you could have had for God. And you can wonder if your life mattered uh, if you don't spend time focusing on things that are important. A clear, God-inspired vision, along with the courage to follow through, dramatically increases your chances of coming to the end of your life and thinking and realizing that you finished well, that... that uh, because you followed God and because you followed his clear vision, instead of just existing, um, that, you, that you finished well. Andy Stanley said, everyone ends up somewhere in life. A few people end up somewhere on purpose. Those are the ones with vision. Let's pray. God, I just um, recognize this morning that it's easy for us to, to come sidetracked and just to... to uh, get lost in the routines and the drudgery of life sometimes and forget that we're here for a purpose and that you've intended us to be here for a purpose and that uh, we should ask, seek your face in knowing what that vision is, God. Just uh, pray that you would guide us, help us, Lord, to um, surrender to what you would have for us and that we could live lives of purpose, lives that, uh, that matter to you and that uh, truly uh, count in the things that are important eternally. Just thank you, God, that it's not something we have to do our, of our own strength or we have to pull out of our own uh, intelligence somehow, but it's something that you freely give to us if we ask, God. Just thank you for being faithful. Just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.